0: Where we all day. Welcome. Welcome to to the the freestyle. The wait. Wait. Okay. All right. Let's begin the podcast. And that, my friends, was my grandson introducing the podcast. Anyways, welcome everybody. Thank you for being here for episode ninety. In today's episode, I'm here reminiscing back to. The summer of 2017, when I was sitting on a flight back home from a vacation in Sweden and deciding that it was time for me to take my coaching to the next level. And in order to do that, what I wanted to tap into was the mental, emotional, lifestyle piece within performance as I had been focusing solely on the body, specifically on applied gymnastics to fitness. And in thinking about this, I was starting to trend towards becoming a life coach, but in my mind, being a life coach was a no-no, simply because I had poor experiences with uh, life coaches. So I had some dissonance, so to speak. So I was thinking, okay, I'm trending towards this idea of becoming a life coach. How do I make it so that it fits in with the way that I see things? Well, the way that I see things is I like stuff that is cool for the lack of better words. And when I say cool, I just mean different. Something that feels fresh that when you see it, you know, it's unique and original. And in order for that to happen, there has to be, in my opinion, of course, a design element. And a design element is simply a deliberate approach for creating and then leaving enough room for an artistic expression to occur. So what did I come up with? Well, I came up with something that I thought was original, but clearly wasn't once I started doing some research, which was this idea of instead of doing life coaching, I would do lifestyle design. And that's the thing I decided I was going to pursue. I was going to pursue life coaching through this lens that I had created for myself in that moment called lifestyle design. And what I was going to do was to share everything about the development of one's craft and expression in life through the principles that I had been teaching in Freestyle Connection. So at the highest level, I took my position, movement, purpose framework. And I thought to myself, "Okay, if I can use position, movement, purpose for the development of the body, maybe I can use it also for the development of our lifestyle and starting with our internal world. And I decided, okay, let me see if I can translate position, movement, and purpose into something that um, fits into life coaching or lifestyle design. So I started with position. I thought, okay, what is position? Well, position is our current state of mind, our current state of being. It's that which we maybe have taken a stance on. It's a position that we're taking. Okay, great. I had that. Now I started to think, okay, what is movement? Well, movement is that which exists between our positions between our opinions between our ideas and the way that we navigate between ideas or at least incorporate these positions is through stories so i thought okay if i'm incorporating these stances these opinions these ideas through stories how does that translate into my mind well that in my mind is my narrative. It's my self-talk. It's that which I'm experiencing in my mind. That uh, whether it translates into words or not, it's there and I'm in relationship to it. And then finally, this idea of purpose. Well, purpose is simply intention. And one of the things that I Start to become really aware of at that time was that purpose is that which gives you a baseline, it gives you direction, and ultimately it's that which you fall back on. So all of a sudden I had a framework. Instead of it being position, movement, and purpose, it was idea, behavior, which is the expression, the movement of that idea, and then the purpose was the intention. And that's how I started. And I decided, okay, now I at least have a philosophy or a framework that mentally allows me to express myself. Now, how, how do I actually do this? Well, I need to get one client, one customer type thing. I, I need to get one student to buy into this. So I, I reached out to uh, several people that were... On my mailing list, I made a post on social media and I simply asked if people were interested in this. And I got a few people who were and we got on a little exploration call and uh, some of them said yes. So we dove in. And in order for me to have something that felt like a program, I needed to come up with a new framework, a new roadmap. And this roadmap is one that I have now used ever since. And I intend to share with you in this podcast in a way that can be applicable, which is this idea of considering three different things. One, feasibility, viability, and desirability. And considering this in anything that we are trying to create, whether it's a product, bringing an idea to life, or uh, simply uh, expressing ourselves. And I'm going to try to explain how this works and why I continue to leverage this framework or this these three focuses, if you will. Feasibility, viability, and desirability. So at the most basic level, feasibility is simply asking ourselves whether a project, an idea, bringing an idea to life is technically, legally uh, possible to do. Is this possible? If the answer is yes, then it's a go. Viability is asking ourselves whether a project, an idea, is sustainable. And this is not only financially, but also um, emotionally, energetically, time-wise. Is this sustainable? And then finally, desirability. And I think a lot of people, when they think about uh, creating something, they think about whether it's desirable for the person that you're serving or sharing your idea with. But what I started thinking about, especially originally, was is this desirable for me? And this may be selfish, but... If it's not desirable for me, if I don't want this, if I don't need this, then how is it even going to uh, apply to others? Furthermore, if we start to consider viability, sustainability, if I don't desire doing this, if I don't like doing this, if I don't enjoy doing this, then it's never going to be viable. It's not going to pan out. And thus, it will not be feasible. So these three components, aspects, feasibility, viability, and desirability are key for bringing an idea to life. So in today's episode, I want to share 10 steps that I have taken to execute on bringing an idea to life. And I'm going to use this podcast as a case study. So let's get into it. This is the Freestyle Way. So here's an outline for bringing an idea to life and using my this podcast as a case study. So I'm just going to read the 10 steps and they're very simple. And then I'm going to flesh them out a little bit and add in how I have navigated these steps and currently am navigating these steps in the process of bringing my vision of what this podcast could be to life. So here are the 10 steps. Number one, decide to execute your idea. Number two, make your requirements less dumb. Number three, identify and execute the first step. Number four, measure success. Number five, delete unnecessary parts or processes. Number six, simplify or optimize. Maybe it's and. Number seven, build transaction mechanisms. Number eight, accelerate cycle time. Number nine, manage resources for growth. And number 10, delegate, automate, and assess desirability. So let's get started with number one, the decision to execute on your idea. I had been doing podcasts as a guest for a couple years leading up to April of 2018 before I put out my first episode on this podcast and I thought it would be cool to have a podcast, but I didn't know how to execute on it. I didn't have the technical skills and I was just overwhelmed with work at the time. So I I didn't really pull the trigger. But one day I decided to download this app called Anchor, which had made it really easy to record upload and distribute a podcast. So I decided, why not? I'm just going to try this thing out. And uh, I have to give a shout out to um, B-Boy Wicket, Gabriel Jauchico, who posted a podcast or uploaded a podcast to this app and shared it with me. And I thought, well, that seems simple enough. I, I, I could do that. It felt like the barrier of entry was low and that this was a new way of thinking about podcasting. Anyways, I just decided I was going to do that. And um, I think it was within that day that I actually uh, moved into uh, step number two, which was I made my requirements less dumb, meaning I thought I had to have a mic, a recording uh, device, uh, better software, I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I had to have all these things set up to produce a good podcast. And the moment I just said, well, I can just record into my phone and speak into this thing and just share an idea and upload it, that's, that's uh, going to be enough. And that's what allowed me to move into step number three, which was to identify and execute the first step. And in this case just deciding that I was going to execute on the idea and making the barrier of entry, my requirements, uh, minimal, it made it really simple for me to just hit record. So I hit the record button and I recorded my first episode, which I believe was maybe less than three minutes long. And that just went out into the world. And what was interesting is that immediately by having that go out into the world, I got immediate feedback. The other thing was that this app Anchor had the, and I think it still has the um, option of having the listener send you a voice note and then you being able to use that voice note to put it into your next podcast. So I thought that was really cool. And I received a few voice notes from people, even from people that I didn't know. So all of a sudden, my measurement of success was not just how many listens, but also how many responses came from people that I did not know. And this was fascinating to me because this was a metric that I didn't know or at least I wasn't consciously thinking about uh, having as um, a core metric for the success of the podcast, meaning reaching a new audience. So as time passed, I simply continued to work through these uh, four first steps. I just decided every moment I, I felt compelled to record an episode. But what happened was that every time I went to record an episode, I started to explore different ways of doing this. So I would record um, sound bites and I would try to uh, patch them together. Then what I did was I started to ask friends to answer questions for me and send me voice notes and then I patched those together And I tried to make it like an NPR uh, style uh, production, but all on my phone. And then eventually that led to me having a pretty complex process. So that's when I entered officially step number five, which was to delete unnecessary parts and One of the parts that I deleted was having an insane post-production and editing time frame and process. I I just said, okay, I need to do something that allows me to not have to do a lot of editing. And in order for me to not do a lot of editing, I need to choose the format of my podcast. And that's when I landed on doing the classic interview style uh, podcast production And that allowing me to move forward with some more ease. So that's what I did. And that was really successful because now I was not only getting more listens and downloads, but I was also getting reviews. I was reaching uh, a new audience, new people. So that's when I had to move on to step number six to simplify and optimize. And This took me a long time because, as some of you know, I have stopped podcasting regularly four times, three times technically. And I never made it past the six-month recording mark. I always tended to quit around that period of time. But now, this time around, I am now into the eight, nine months um, stretch, and I continue to go. And thankfully, today... I don't have to uh, rely so much on uh, me doing all the post-production work. I can actually use artificial intelligence tools. Like, for example, there is a program called Cast Magic. And what this program does is uh, it allows you to upload the program, the, the podcast to the program, and then it spits out um, a bunch of written content. So you can get a podcast description, you can get social media posts, you can get timestamps. Yeah, you you name it. And I believe they're integrated with ChatGPT and that's how they're able to spit these things out. And also within the platform that I now record on, uh, which is called Riverside, what it does is it creates clips that you can now... Uh, put onto uh, YouTube or any social media platform. And although they require a little editing to perfect them, it at least accelerates the process for the not only uh, distribution of the podcast, but the promotion of it. So uh, AI tools, and that's been huge. Where do I need to improve on optimizing? Well, I need to improve by uh, preparing better for interviews, having a better uh, funnel of guests that uh, come in so that I have um, a more consistent production schedule. And these are things that I'm currently working on. But what's holding me back is step number seven, which is to build a strong transaction mechanism. What does this mean? Well. The transaction at this moment is I record a podcast, you listen to it, some of you rate, review, send me messages. It's all kind of through the platform that you listen on and uh, through the platform that I use to distribute this, which is a Spotify for podcasters, which used to be Anchor. But in order for this podcast to be viable, Up until this point, it's been feasible, but in order for it to be viable, meaning sustainable, I need to have enough resources coming in that it makes producing the podcast uh, really work. And one of those resources is to uh, have money that comes in that allows me to produce the podcast at a higher level in a way that is uh, simplified and optimized and that the metrics for success are on a continuous uh, growth uh, path and for the desirability of me doing this my motivation to stay alive now this mechanism uh, for transaction doesn't have to be directly associated with the podcast meaning I don't necessarily need sponsors, but I need to optimize for creating a transaction into that which allows me to produce more resources and then allocate those resources into the podcast. So a very simple example is, let's say one of my revenue streams is a one-on-one coaching. Through this podcast, having a clear call to action that leads to Potential one on one clients that could be a way of monetizing the podcast and making it viable. So, I need to create a better transaction mechanism. With that, which takes some time, now I can move on to step number eight. And step number eight being accelerating cycle time. What does this mean? This means how can I uh, produce the podcast quicker? how can I uh, generate more output? And uh, how can I do it in a way that doesn't require uh, necessarily much more time? In other words, how can I become more efficient and effective? And that is where managing, this is now step nine, managing my resources for growth is going to come into play. This is where does my money come from? How can I allocate it to grow the podcast? So for example, right now, one of the things that I would do if I was generating a little bit more revenue through the podcast directly, I would allocate the money to having uh, either a a personal assistant that could help me uh, book a new guest. I would have somebody who could help me with editing And then somebody who could help me with uh, everything that has to do with the distribution so that I can show up and do what I do best, which is be on the podcast, interview the guests and uh, get the most out of it. And then to connect with you, the audience, in a way that allows us all to grow together. And so that's what I would do when thinking about managing resources. And then once I had that, now I can move on to step 10, which is to delegate, which would be to uh, allocate resources into uh, building a team. I would automate. I would do everything I could to uh, produce as much as I can, schedule it out so it's uh, giving us some some um, room for uh, development, growth, and going beyond. And then uh, I would continue to assess my desirability for doing this, which at this point, as I'm recording this, it's high. It's it's the thing I want to do. Now, these 10 steps are not the end all be all. They are um, something that are always there. You're in continuous process of working through them. You don't just complete one step and then move on to the next. You're, you're always going back to step one, meaning I always have to go back to deciding to execute on an idea. I always have to go back to deciding whether I wanna put out this podcast, this episode, have this interview. And this, uh, not only now relating to uh, desirability to do something, but heavily informing uh, its viability and making the feasibility of it as optimal effective, and efficient as it possibly can be, thus making something better. So um, yeah, that's the framework. Feasibility, viability, and desirability. And those are the 10 steps. Decide you're going to execute. Make your requirements as low as possible so you can just do it. Identify and execute the first step. Measure your success. You know what that is. Delete unnecessary processes or parts, meaning simplify it, then optimize, then build a transaction mechanism that allows you to exchange resources, time, money, accelerate your cycle time, meaning do more, manage your resources, allocate them into the right place, and then automate. And that's the way that I think we get better. We produce more. We bring an idea to life. All right, my friends, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I appreciate you, and I thank you for listening, and I look forward to more. So with that being said, till the next one. Peace, everybody. This is the Freestyle Way.